Oh, man. That was a loud intro, but oh, man, we're back. So season two of Deep Tracks Only. Here we are. (laughs) I don't know if it's season two, but I know it has been. It's Uh, been a break. It's been a a long time since we have sat down, you and me, and I think it's time we had a DTR. Revival. Revival? Define the relationship. <laughs> I thought you were saying deep tracks revival. No. Uh, well, I guess that it could be, that could be it. That's it. You know? DTR. Yeah. But I was kidding about a DTR because that's really only something you do um, when you're in a committed relationship with somebody. So I'm guessing. Did you like, have DTRs with uh, people you dated or not? Probably, but we didn't, we didn't title it. Yeah, well, you don't title okay. it. You don't like. <laughs> Babe. Let's have a DTR. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. Okay. Text. Did we have text back then? We did. We, we had the buttons. We had Man, there's always the girl that's just like. Well, here. My wife said that she could text from her pocket without looking because she was one. Yeah. Because it used to be, if you're listening and you don't know, it used to be you push the buttons for the for the letters. So it was like you had to hit, you know number seven three times for s and then the other one for and that is a gift i could not do that so i um, would always second guess myself yeah so we're yeah. back we've been we've been uh busy we've had nam busy. we had nam uh we had the fundamentals launch and that was uh it was a really big um it was it, it's a pedal series that we we dropped no big deal um <laughs> if you've been watching <laughs> it's only one of our biggest releases in recent years uh fundamentals launch that was a lot of work um, yeah. and so we're kind of a small crew um small crew big hearts but uh we we just kind of t- take a little break off the podcast for a little while because w- daggone it we were farming we were farming, man. We were farming. We it were was tilling. definitely harvest season. So we yeah, just we weren't tilling. There. We were harvesting. We weren't really harvesting. I think it was more sowing season. It was we we're sowing. It was not harvest season. <laughs> definitely sowing season. Hopefully, uh-huh. harvest season will come in Q four. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> why not Q three? Yeah, why not Q three? Really great. Um, uh, but today on the podcast, we have one of my favorite. Musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about my favorite musicians, I think of three things. I think of uh, I think of this Venn diagram, this this three circle Venn diagram, and the first one is uh, innovation. So we have like an I like artists that have like a, some like an innovation bent, and then skill, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, character. You know, are they just are they just great folks? Um, and our guest today. She was right in the middle of that Venn diagram for me. And it is James Valentine James from Maroon 5. He, uh, he's, if, he's so awesome. He's right. just such a good dude. He is a good dude. And if you've never heard of Maroon 5, you might know them better as the as the the sequel to the band <laughs> Cara's Flowers. Uh, and probably you all know who that was, but uh, Maroon 5 has gone on to make uh, a couple of albums since that band. And I feel like they've done a pretty good job for themselves. Yeah, I think they've so. cleaned up pretty good. Yeah. yeah they're they probably played, making a living off of it. I bet they're, I think they're all yeah. doing it full time. <clears throat> awesome. So, yeah. Uh, also, they played the Super Bowl. So, once you play the Super Bowl, it's like you're in the Hall of Fame, you know? Yeah. 
you're in the band. You're in the global band Hall of Fame. So global. Maroon Five is a global band. I've dubbed, I've dubbed that term. That's my trademark. Um, <laughs> and so if you use it, you have to give us credit. Uh, but what other a global? What's like a global band? Like Coldplay. Coldplay is like a now a U two is a good example yeah. as a global band yeah. uh, that are kind of making this like you can hear it like it's music that's written for huge rooms. What's what's like a 80, band? Com, Eighty thousand capacity rooms. You know, I mean like Beyonce, but like what's another band that's like on the cusp of being a global band? A glo- uh, on the cusp on of the being cusp. a global band? Oh! What about Kings of Leon? Do you think that they were a global band, or do you think they hit the cusp? That is a really good question. I think, uh, I think, I think Kings of Leon was not. No, I don't think so. I think it depends on where you live. Yeah. Because Kings of Leon, like if you're in the UK and you're talking about Kings of Leon, they will say, that's a global band, you know? <laughs> But in the States, it's kind of like an indie. It's like, at the, it's like as uh-huh. indie as you can get before you're mainstream is yeah. Kings of Leon, you know? Well, I, I mean, Sex on Fire, that was mainstream. Right, right, right. But you can have mainstream success. And then they, I mean, they haven't, I don't mean to hurt anyone's feelings, <laughs> but I don't think they haven't done any radio hits, like big, like big hits since then, yeah. which yeah. I think, yeah. which I think if I was in a, if I was in a band, that would be the way to go. You do one album that completely blows up and then you can like go into the recesses of the world and live your life afterwards, you know? Yeah. So there's not this, this huge thing to just try to keep turning out hits, but some people are designed for that. Yeah. Like Bono is designed to just keep doing that, you know? And I'm thinking about that because I just started his book. So is it good? Yeah, it is really good. What do you think of you two now? New songs? Um, I (laughs) cut. (laughs) Um, okay. So here's something, here's something. Uh, I think those, those kind of artists, um, I think they're writing their best music in their, in their more mature years, but people, people have like a limited time frame where they're going to form an emotional attachment to a band and it doesn't matter. And it's probably a period of like seven to 15 years. And once you pass that mark with these huge bands, anything, it doesn't matter how good the stuff is that comes out afterwards. It, in, your, in your audience's mind, it's really hard to eclipse the greatness of the stuff that was in those ranges. Mm-hmm. Right? Great example is like, I mean, Madonna, Tom Petty, um, like those kind of yeah, bands that are yes, still yeah. prolifically like writing things and they're really good. It's really good albums. They're really good stuff, uh-huh. but they're just, they're not, they're not going to connect like damn the torpedoes is. I, I you wish know? you were going to answer that. I was hoping you would answer that. You're hoping I'd say imagine dragons. <laughs> no, <laughs> they have mainstream. They're global. Uh, the, you talked about once, whenever you're younger and creating all this music and then like you have success and then you have, Mm -hmm. and then your life is like a lot easier. And so you don't have these hardships or you don't have these struggles that like, I I don't know, maybe that just goes with. Well, and that doesn't go for everybody. That just Uh goes for some artists that I'll leave nameless, but you can, it's some, after they have huge success, it sometimes it, 
it sounds like millionaires writing songs. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, hey, that I don't resonate with your music because it sounds like a really rich person writing music for me. And <laughs> I don't want to. But then there's some artists that have huge success, but live live thankful, grateful lifestyles that I think can influence, I think influences the quality of the songs that come after that. So, uh-huh. what, what about like Weezer? Where would you put them in that? Why don't, why don't you answer that question first? <laughs> I can't. I don't think I can because I love Weezer so much and I love everything they do. But I can kind of see You're a Weezer fan. That's outside great. of the Weezer eyes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's there. Maybe yeah. that's them. I think that that's great. Um, okay. So uh, that was a great preamble to uh, Maroon 5, which I think are making, they're making great records. They're yeah. making great songs. Sugar! It's so sweet. It's like, it's just great. It's, it's fun music. And you pray that it comes on while you're at the pool. Yeah. You know? Yes. Or at the beach. Please come on. Um, okay. So before we get to James Valentine, before he let, you know, I'm like, I'm really concerned about today's show because we're wearing the same shirt. We are. So, uh, are we going to do the whole show like this? You know what you have right over there? I do. I do know know exactly what you're talking about. You have a costume closet. I do have a a costume (laughs) closet at Walrus for for video shoots. Is there like a... One second. Oh, get the the Baja sweater. Let's get through the Baja sweater. Listen, I I don't know why. You're going to burn up. I couldn't just... I might burn up. I don't know why I couldn't get up and just get it myself. But there's something about having you do it for me that's going to make it really great. Um, but this is the first time I've been on the podcast by myself. There it is. All right. Let's put this on. I'm going to do a little costume change. Do you guys think you're at a Taylor Swift show right now with this costume change? I bet you do. (laughs) Nothing like a mad woman. (laughs) Oh, man. I made that as hard as possible for you. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Where's the net? Where's the hole? (laughs) The shirt without a hole. Sounds like a children's book. Did you? <laughs> Here we go. Okay. This is great. Get your arm. <laughs> this is good. This is good. This is. You're such a turd. Did you do this? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I was wondering why it took so long to go get the. <laughs> the, the drip. Oh man. You should keep the hood on. Mia just rolled her eyes. She's like, I can't believe you said. I hope that this outfit goes you with your drip. band. Oh, I need to like mess my hair up. Can't so believe that like you a, said drip. Okay, I need oh, to mess man. my hair up. So it's like I just got done surfing. Just surf. Well, I love the video, the the pitted video, and then the guy on the news is like, then I got pitted. That's what I, that's what I feel like right now wearing this. Uh, okay. Uh, speaking of drip, <laughs> my band today. Okay, yeah, do give me a band name. Is Drip Force? <laughs> drip Force. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tell us about Drip Force. Drip Force is from Kyoto, Japan, which I have never thought of this before until I talked to Kyle, but Kyoto has the exact same letters as Tokyo. Whoa. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? K-Y-O-T-O. Okay. And what's Drip Force's album name? It is Visualize the Burn. V the B. V the B. Visualize the burn. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, what, yeah. what kind of music is this? It sounds like house music. They sound kind of like the soft parts of Incubus. 
Oh, that's totally, that's totally different. <laughs> From Japan, yeah. Drip Force is soft music? <laughs> like the softer parts of Incubus. So not like super soft, but like, like kind of, you know. Like, I forget what it's called. I'm on tomorrow, breeze, I'll be there. With open arms, open eyes, yeah. You got to change where you, the register in your voice when you do the open arms, open eyes part. Yeah. Open arms, open eyes, yeah. Uh, that's that them. A, that's a fantastic album. That's Drip Force, man. That okay. is a great, that's a great album. That is so great. Uh, my band name Coming from Portland, Oregon, is Bear Cage. Dude, that is totally a band name. Bear Cage. <laughs> Thank you so much. And it, they, they don't fit the Portland vibe, which is why they got pretty much cast out of Portland and they moved to Los Angeles. So Bear Cage kind of has like a Queens of the Stone Age vibe. So pretty much just like in-your-face rock. They've got three guitar players. Uh drums and bass kind of deal no keyboard there's no keyboards listen no synths bear cage is not a band name i know that's why it's on my list that is crazy that that's not a band name it's gonna be my band name i mean it is yeah uh their debut album is called tight year that's a tight year bro tight it's been a tight year dude it it could go both ways it's like oh it's kind of a tight year oh it's a tight year tight year so so how's it spelled I guess this is both. <laughs> what kind of question is that? <laughs> How am I supposed to say T I G H T space figured Y E I? I didn't know if it was like T Y. No, 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 no. They're not. They're not doing that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, cool. They're not cool. doing that kind. Of... Cool. How is Philip spelled? F I L I P. Oh, that is not. That is just not the truth. I don't believe it. Um, okay, so Bear Cage, Drip Force, and Maroon 5. Everybody, James Valentine. Pew, pew, pew. So, uh, so under this shirt, um, I have, I have this pretty much the same shirt Philip has. So we were doing the, the preamble beforehand, and then we decided that we looked really, Similar, not like in face, but in stature. And Philip's a little bit, he has a little bit more strength, upper body strength on me. So, is that that fair to say? Is that true? Yeah, no, it really is. I don't know. Let's let's see a push-up battle. Oh no, it's not. Listen, no, listen. We've been we've we've been to Top Golf. We've been uh, we've have we played baseball? Have we played softball? We've done something where it's like you crushed. We've done. We have a pull-up bar here. I mean, it's just there's not like a. Just, Philip just has upper body strength. That's it's just pretty just, much nobody, just upper body strength. Nobody, so. it is it. Yeah, you're about it. You're about <laughs> okay. it. Everything else. Don't skip leg day, man. I'd smoke <laughs> you. you do I'd leg day. smoke you in a foot race. Well, that's the next thing. <laughs> oh wait, are you for real? Uh huh. You think you'd smoke me in a foot race? I know I would. I don't even think it'd be a challenge. Like a sprint? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Definitely not going to beat you in long distance. I want to see it. You know, let's talk, let's you know, it. and like, let's see these, yes. these physical contests. Before we, before we introduce you to everybody, um, do, do you, are you, what are you, a distance guy? Are you a sprinter? Last time we talked, you were really into tennis. Are, is it still tennis? What are we doing for physical activity? Yeah, I, I'm, I was, I was a distance guy. Um, I ran the marathon. 
the LA Marathon, LA Marathon in 2015, and then I retired because that yeah. was right when I was really starting to get seriously into tennis. And I, I've become obsessed with tennis. I play like five to six days a week. But yeah. there's an update on that front, and I'm glad you asked. But um, bring it. What's the update? I, along with, um, with a large portion of North America, have become obsessed with pickleball. Hey. Dude. Yeah. No, I think that that's fine. <laughs> I think it's fine. Great. Are you, where are you playing pickleball at? Do you guys have like a pickleball gym? You can't say. Everybody's going to go. No, okay, well, okay, okay. No, I will tell you. It's beautiful. <laughs> in Burbank, so I live in Toluca Lake, California, right next to Burbank. In Burbank, there's Larry Maxim Park. There's four pickleball courts, and there's continuous pickup games going on from 7.30 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. every night. Oh, my every gosh. Day. So you can just show up at any time. Man. and start playing and so i started showing up and you know i was kind of like i could see that there was kind of a click of of better players than me and, yeah. and I, yeah so my goal has been to sort of like work into those clicks and get invited into those games nice. and it's slowly starting to work and so like i just came from a pickleball lesson where i was uh drilling my dinks <laughs> These are pickleball terms you, you might not know so, yet. D- so I, but I, I drilled, feel like I drilled my dinks all morning. Yeah, I feel like I I feel like I drilled my dinks helping my neighbor move his couch the other day. But what does drill my dinks mean to, to pickleball? Wait, let me guess. Let me guess. Oh, I just yeah, drilled, yeah, I guess. Oh, I drilled my dinks. Are the dinks where you you don't let it hit the ground? You just like run up and. Nope, just kidding. No that that would be that would be a volley. See, pickle pickleball is a game of touch. So, so the whole point is to get up to up to the net, and then the dinks are just kind of like the the little taps where you tap it just over the net where it drops low enough that they can't hit an offensive shot on you. Oh. Where it hits the below kitchen. the net, so then yeah. they have to dink it back up. So you're waiting for somebody to dink it too hard, and then you speed up the game, slam Dude, it, yeah. boom, pickleball. <laughs> Drill my dinks. Uh, Drill your dinks, guys. So. <laughs> In, in the upper body strength, oh, Philip is also the best at pickleball uh, between all of us. So, I think Ezra is Ezra better than Ezra you? might be better. Ezra's one of our engineers, so he's he's, good. he's also really good. But but I I try to team up with either Philip or Ezra when we go play. But we when we go play, we got to go pay money at some pickleball. It's like a restaurant yeah. bar. Chicken and pickle. Chicken and pickle. Yeah. See, we don't have any of those out in LA. And honestly, I'm thinking about investing in one Ooh. because we need that space. It, we, we don't have it. Do, do you like that that business model? Do you it, like it's going listen, there? Do you... it, the beer makes it way better. Way better. Yes. Yeah. I imagine it would. <laughs> yeah. And appetizers. It's yeah. like, and, oh, let me just Yeah. Go. And chips and queso. So yeah. then you like take, you like, you take a set off and then you you know, have beer and chips and queso, and then you go play a set. And so, like, you're adding calories, burning calories, adding, burning. It comes out to be a net neutral. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, you burn way less calories through exercise than you think. But that's a topic for another podcast. So, that's what our <laughs> podcast is about, man. How many? So I, so I have a gar. I track how many calories I burn when I run. Is it real? Is it a real calorie burn? No, no, no. That's that's just an estimate, you know. And a lot of people live by that and think like, oh yeah, so oh I, I burned a thousand calories. Like it's a total estimate. They have really no idea. So people eat back those calories and then they wonder why, you know, they're they're not losing Dude. any weight. So this is yeah. Great. 
I, 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 I love this. I feel like mine is pretty on because, you know, if I burn like a thousand calories on like a ride or something like that, and but then I weigh myself pretty consistently. So I like kind of like figure out, you know, what's going on. It's like a it's like a game. It's a it's a video game to me. This is my Fortnite. Yeah, no, it's the Garmin hey, app. I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. I've got an app where I track my caloric intake and then that and then I weigh myself and then I come up with my total daily energy expenditure and that's the only true way to know how much you're actually burning Look at through that me. tracking process what, what app is this sell us on it it's called carbon and it's great it's great if you're so so I've got it set right now to to maintenance and then you you track what you're eating and that you know that's kind of a pain in the ass but it sort of teaches you, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, what to eat if you want to yeah. maintain your weight, as I do. That's amazing. <laughs> We're going to start doing that. Are you on, this this, this took just, a turn. I'm no. thinking how excited Are you on Strava? Right Are you on Strava? You Strava I was guy? on Strava when I was doing uh, some cycling. But, but honestly, like the tennis and now the pickleball, I mean, that keeps me... So busy. I don't yeah. really do any more of the distance stuff anymore. How, what's the strangers to familiar face ratio of people that you're playing pickleball with every day? Well, right now it's a lot of strangers, but okay. but there's like a there's like a that's the beautiful thing. It's like you show up. There's a little bit of a community, so I'm starting to get to know some of the people. But it's also great because you just sort of interface with with this you know the city of Burbank and there's all walks of life and you're playing with all ages. Um, everybody comes together. It's this beautiful civic moment that, yeah. that, that I feel like was maybe lacking in my life. Yeah. Cause, cause I, I was just interacting with all these people that I never would have. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's like the, it's like the local arts festival, you know, it's like, <laughs> here we all are. We're just all out here. Just trying to have a nice day looking at art or, <laughs> playing pickleball i love it hey something i really have to do is i have to take this sweater off i mean i just can't do it anymore <laughs> it's so hot like i am burning up i can see in the monitor my face is like red <laughs> the, yeah take it off this Let's could be the most insightful Maybe we interview we've ever done but the only thing someone's gonna leave on youtube is dude's face is so red you know that's what it's gonna be all of our shirts are gonna look similar so this is great yeah man uh, so <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no graceful way to take it off either and your shirt's probably gonna like just, come up and you're gonna like expose your bare chest it's, it's, gonna, some, be, it's gonna be great give TV. me just a second to disrobe uh, <laughs> this is a did, good you're doing a good job how does taylor swift do it in like so many costume changes so gracefully that's like the quick change though those are designed for that no way tell us wait about that, that really is like the same shirt I, is it like the same brand <laughs> that's why it is so oh my gosh his, it feels looks so like, good yeah it's so much softer uh, mine's mine. built it's called built this built brand and it's like a it's like a 30 to 40 year old dad instagram brand um and this is target and this i was commenting target. before we started that i really like i like the the rib line on yours a lot more than mine and you also have the pocket i don't I've, have the pocket i've always been upset that none of the shirts at target are good and then i found these and i was like i'll yeah, get some shirts that's a at target. solid shirt what do you what are you sporting there james what kind of shirt what do we got going on here the our our stylist pulled this 
for our last music video. I actually wore this in the last music video. It's uh, yeah. a brand from L.A. called The Great. You know, it's just a it's just a black T-shirt. That's cool. You know, the great. Uh, I might the great. be the grape. The great. Yeah, the great. Like the me. Great. The, yeah, Shirt like you. Brand. Yes. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up uh, after uh, music video, which is a great segue. To, wait, wait. To, I want to oh, hit on okay. that question. I want to talk about these uh, these clothes that change. Like you can change out of real fast. You said they're designed for that. Quick change. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, like, I mean, you, you know, know, I think they got special snaps. Oh, okay. I, you cool. know, I've seen some of the gifts from from the Taylor Swift experience, yeah. you know, and they're like the dancers come and like pull off one outfit to reveal <laughs> like a dress cool. underneath. I mean, that's okay, that's yeah. quick change. That's yeah. that's classic uh, Hollywood stuff. Sweet. Uh, do you personally, by the way, everybody, this is James Valentine, and he's the guitar player for a band called Maroon 5 uh, and Kara's Flowers, right? No. Oh. Well, I was I was technically in Kara's Flowers probably for a couple months okay. before we changed the name to Maroon 5, but basically, yeah, I... I, I was a fan of Kara's Flowers, yeah. and then I joined, and then we decided it was time for a, a name change, because Kara's Flowers was kind of a confusing name. People never really knew what yeah. was going on. They thought Cars and Flowers, Carlos's Flowers, they didn't really get it. That's kind of like the O-Neaters. Exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah, I gotcha. Which is a great movie. I think about that movie all the time. I quit. Movie. I quit. <laughs> I quit. I quit. I quit. You're breaking my heart, Jimmy. <laughs> oh, man. It is a great movie. Uh, the movie is called That Thing You Do. Uh, yes. I think written and directed. Tom Hanks. By Tom Hanks, yeah. Written and, yeah. Um, so, okay, yeah. Do you do any, in Maroon 5, do you do any costume changes? Do you, per, in like the live shows, do you have any costume changes? The only costume change I, you know, I guess it is pretty, it's a pretty regular occurrence that, you know, kind of like you, in the, the in the course of this podcast, I start with an outer layer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I shed. It's yeah. usually some some form of jacket, some cool jacket that I have. Yeah. Or maybe a sweater, and I start the show with it. Then as things heat up, yeah, I sh I, I start shed it. That's the only sort of costume change. Adam, it, in our in our most recent Las Vegas residency, was actually going backstage and changed outfits a few times because we thought like for vegas that finally was appropriate yeah, yeah. plus you get to, you don't have to you know, you know how long was the residency um well we we just did a run of like four weeks in march and we're going back in august starting july 28th we've got three and a half more weeks of shows that's awesome which, you know tickets are still available so Go hey, to maroon5.com for, maroon for more information. And you can buy tickets to Las Vegas show one time only until the next time. Uh, well, one time only or three times a week. Do you, for, uh, do you end up weeks. do you end up shirtless though? Do you end up shirtless in some of these shows? I have gone shirtless one time on yeah. stage. Was it at a music it was festival? It Miami maybe around like 2014. Uh-huh. I think I was I was doing like P90X and I was like oh, yeah. and it was Dude. pretty humid and I was like feeling pretty good about my body fat percentage at that point. <laughs> Man, it's like yeah, we're yeah, doing yeah. this. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, to get back to nutrition, which is what we really want to talk about. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm we're gonna it. circle back. I'm into it. 
I did P30X. Well, P29X. <laughs> yeah, I, only I made it 29 <laughs> days. Uh, nice. I did P89. <laughs> I quit. The P89. So <laughs> I just I quit. Yeah, I quit. <laughs> uh, so okay, so you're not a, you're not taking off the shirt. You're leaving your shirt on most of the show. I don't. You know, I'm like. I'm 44 years old, and and plus now, like Adam will will still occasionally take off his shirt. That's kind of his thing, you know. I'm not gonna, you know, never. You don't want to outshine the master, you know. <laughs> <laughs> which nobody really, I don't think anybody really realized until the Super Bowl. Which Super Bowl did you guys play? And then he ripped it off, and then everybody's like, "Dude, he's ripped." And yeah, he's everybody hard. was. Yeah, that was that was a moment. I don't I don't think it was totally a positive moment, but um, <laughs> yeah, people. Had I was positive on, for it was positive for that. me as a fan of the band. It was positive. Okay, for me. good. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I think I talked to you like a month after that. We were emailing, and I think you were sifting through the the confliction of America's response. But I think overall, it's positive. It's great. Sure. Yeah. You know, that in the rearview mirror, it's all it's all fun. But like going going through an experience like that is pretty intense. Yeah, man. Do you, uh, okay? You're not from LA. You're from you're from the Midwest. You're from Nebraska, right? Lincoln, Nebraska. You're from born Lincoln, and raised. Born and raised. Uh, first question before I ask how you got from Nebraska to Los Angeles and then into this where you're at today, um, is there like a club? in Los Angeles of people that didn't aren't from Los Angeles. It's like, I live here, but I'm not from here. And then there's like the club of people, oh, I grew up in SoCal and I've been here my whole life. Is there like a, is there like an understanding? Is there like a false humility or pride about people who di- aren't from LA, but live in LA? For sure. And I mean, you know, like LA is a city of transplants mostly. And, and a lot of the people, that that play music or that that are in the arts entertainment business at all you know they're all from all over the place yeah um like it's it's actually rare when when you meet someone and they're like oh i grew up in la you're like oh really i happen to be in a band with uh with guys that actually were raised in la gotcha which was which was pretty cool and, and it was that was important for me they unlocked a whole other part of the city because uh, before I met them, I only knew other transplants and we were all trying to figure out this giant metropolis, which is, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's really confusing when you show up here, you don't know what's going on. So to meet some guys who actually grew up and knew what was going on, knew like the dentist to go to, you know, stuff like yeah. that, you, yeah. know, tell, you know, about, you know that you know the grocery store you go to, like that from you, the stuff you only know from actually growing up somewhere. That was that was useful to know. But yes, there there is a pride knowing like, yeah, I came you know from the Midwest, showed up, got off the Greyhound bus. I didn't actually take a Greyhound bus. Yeah, and you know made my way in the business. Um, yeah, there there is there is a, a sort of pride around that. Yeah, the equivalent is if you're from the metro. You know, if you live in the Oklahoma City metro, you know, there's kids, yeah. that, there's kids that grew up in the metro and there's kids that grew up in the surrounding because Oklahoma kind of orbits around Oklahoma City. Yeah. And anybody yeah. listening from Tulsa is going to be offended by that. But this just is totally true. Um, it's a, yeah. But then there's kids that grew up in Enid, in Stillwater, in Tuttle. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
We got somebody from Tuttle over here running <laughs> cameras. Uh, and then we kind of have a snobbery about us about like, oh, we're not from the metro. We just moved here, you know. So that's we're, right. We we're made not our metro. Own way. Yeah, my wife is city. my wife is a metro kid, and so we kind of make fun of her. <laughs> we had that a little bit in in Lincoln. You know, everybody from Nebraska came in. To, you know, the university was there, but we all also had an. Inf- we were, were probably like the Tulsa to. Oklahoma City, Lincoln was to Omaha. Yeah, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, because you know Omaha was bigger. More of the stuff was going on there, but we were the capital. We had the university, but you yeah. know, everybody from Kearney or Grand Island came in. Eventually moved to Lincoln or Omaha, so this is a similar sort of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So, how'd you end up? So, talk about you're in Lincoln, and then you're in a band. Uh, and then Jane's Addiction comes out, and the rest is history. So, not Jane's Addiction. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? Jane's Addiction. Songs about I mean, Jane. I Songs James about addiction. Jane. Are you going to talk about Jane's Addiction at some point? We're in this so, hello, I'm Dave Navarro. Welcome We've got to the guitarist to Jane's Addiction here today. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about um, uh, no. Okay, Jane, songs about Jane was what I meant to say. Yes, but uh, t- talk to us about those few years. Like you know, you finished high school. Maybe I don't know if you finished high school. You seem somewhat smart. You seem like you kind of finished high school. Um, I did finish high school. I was attending the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. Yeah, where I was, I was playing in all the 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 jazz ensembles, but I was not a music major because I did not think I was going to be able to make a living as a musician. I was an advertising major, so I thought that was going to be my career, but I was playing in a bunch of different bands, um, and one of my bands, which was called Square, which was kind of this weird, it's a cool name. kind of cool fusion power trio. We had a keyboard player who played bass with his left hand, Ray Manzarek style, and Fender Rhodes with his right hand. Um, oh. We we won the Ernie Ball National Battle of the Bands competition in 1999. Wow. The Ernie Ball National Battle <clears throat> in 1999. 1999. Okay. We, I'm putting a bookmark in this. Is that when, did you meet Brian Ball in that process? I sure did. Okay. That was the first time I met the whole Ernie Ball family. Okay. Pause. I don't want to get into that. Because we'll get into that later. Yes. Okay. So then, uh, okay. So then, you won the battle of the bands, and then what? So we won the battle of the bands. We won twenty five thousand dollars, which I think was the biggest prize they ever did with that wow. competition. Um, and so twenty five thousand dollars to us at that time might as well have been a million dollars. For we sure. Said we're moving to L.A. and we're gonna go get a record deal. Because that's what you did back then. This is yeah. pre-internet. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Sure. You got you got to remember. You got to go sit like, in front of some people in, in in an office. You know. Yeah, you got to yeah. go actually do it. And we were f- sort of following the model from the the artists that we knew about from Nebraska that had done something, which were Matthew Sweet. Okay. Who yeah. actually went to our high school, Southeast High School. Yeah. And then the the band Three Eleven. Yeah, and so so both are both of from, those artists are different. Nebraska, three uh, elevens from Omaha. Well, how about Omaha? Styly is the shit we are kicking. <laughs> Omaha, and they're still they're still going right. Three eleven. Oh no, they they still yeah they 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 have like almost like a jam 
band type of following. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. they, it's like it's their own sort of universe that they've created. But they moved out to L.A. Like that was that was the model that we were. So we thought, oh, we have to move out to L.A. So we did. Uh, in 2000. And then we started playing around Orange County. We started showcasing for all these record labels. Um, at one point, we met the guys in the band Real Big Fish, the ska band. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. when their guitar player and lead singer broke his hand, I went and filled in for them. And so that was like my first real bus tour was was yeah. playing for Real Big Fish, which was an amazing yeah. experience. Yeah. But more importantly, that's got to be a, a he, guitar workout. Like just is like guitar. That's a lot of guitar cardio. Plant. Yeah. That G is guitar cardio. cardio. That is yeah. very sort of frenetic upstrokes. Yeah. Upstrokes into like and then into the the like power pop riffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fun. It's That'd like fun a lot a of switching. And that was like not that was not my thing at the time. So that that was a challenge, but it was super fun. That's great. Okay. Real but big more fish. importantly, like Aaron Barrett from Real Big Fish, he introduced me to a band called Cars Flowers. Because Cars Flowers had opened up for Real Big Fish. Aaron was a was a fan of Cars Flowers, and he took me to my first Cars Flowers show. And at that show, I saw them play, and I had this, it was almost like a spiritual type of experience where I was like, oh, I'm going to be in this band. Yeah. I just know it. Yeah. I could see what they were doing, what they were starting to do, and I could see that they needed another guitar player because Jesse uh, at the time was playing guitar and keyboards and kind of switching. Yeah. And there was like parts that were missing. And I was like, I could do that. I know exactly what they're doing. And I just, and at the time I was still fully committed to my band from Nebraska, but I just had mm -hmm. this feeling, this gut sort yeah. of intuition. Yeah. Which the band from Nebraska is still square. It's still square. Yeah. Over the next few months, I started hanging out with the Cars Flowers guys. They started inviting me to play shows with them with the idea that like, oh, eventually we'll get an actual guitarist. But then when they uh, were approached to sign the deal with Octone Records, it would lead to songs about Jane. They said, hey, we want you to join full time, but you got to quit Square, which was a really tough decision mm, for me. Hard. I was like, I was sick to my stomach because we had all moved out yeah. from L.A. together. Yeah. But ultimately, I just knew that it was something that I had to do. Yeah. Man. Were the other guys cool with it? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. getting a little bit of drama now. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, not. They, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were bombed. They were yeah. bummed for sure. Yeah. yeah. Would you, how would you like, feel if James Valentine well, quit your band? I huh? would be bummed, but I would also <laughs> be like, question. this is cool. Like, that's awesome. You have oh. that opportunity. Uh, okay, so songs about just pre songs about Jane, backtracking just a little bit, 311. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, can, do you think the dodgeball snare is going to come back ever? Because you know what I mean? The, the ring, because I miss it. I, I, when I hear, I, I I love it, and everybody hates Dude. it. But when I hear it, and there's a good groove, it's like, oh, I just a freaking, I literally am into it. You know, I'm into the dodgeball snare. Yeah, kids snare. don't know that was really the sound of like the late '90s. Of, uh, yes, of a lot of those bands. But Chad Sexton, uh, I mean, what a drummer! Like he still, there's really nobody that like plays like him. Yeah, yeah. You know, like and and yeah, like it, it became that that. That that high pitched snare went out of fashion, but like, 
it's it's got to come back around. It it's, always does. It's like it's like I'm crossing my fingers, kind of like how chorus <laughs> came back for guitar. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, I just I'm really holding out for dodgeball <laughs> snare to come back for for, it the, absolutely for the drumming will. It community. Does it? Listen, we're on we're on like a a cultural feedback loop that's about a twenty yeah. year cycle. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So yes. it's like those those things that that we appreciate that that we grew up with, like. They'll come back first, ironically, uh-huh. and then the hipsters will adopt them, and then it becomes cool again, and then it becomes the standard, and like in the zeitgeist, and then it becomes lame again because then everybody's doing it, and we go, we constantly go through that cycle. Although, internet culture has kind of like just messed all of that up. It's like uh, internet culture is like a wormhole between decades sometimes, and it's kind of like we're not ready for that. It's exactly. like but we're still going there. If you exactly. if you don't understand what I'm saying, that's okay. But if you do understand what I'm saying, you totally get it. I'm with you. Right? Is this not meta? <laughs> exactly. So there yeah, it is. We just went real deep. Exhibit A, Your Honor. Exhibit. <laughs> uh, so that's where the wormhole is pulling us. Back yeah. I haven't been All in right. court in a long time. Okay. So <laughs> the uh, so the record label you you join you join one band um and then do you do you help the band write and track for songs about jane or what happens yeah yeah so so they had already been playing some of those songs um you know when i the first time i saw them play they were playing sunday morning Mm. they were playing uh the song not coming home which is on there but but then after i joined we were in the process. One of my first rehearsals, we were they were sort of finishing up Sweetest Goodbye. Like it wasn't fully arranged yet, but most of it was there. But then after I joined, um, I mean, probably like my biggest contribution, me and Adam wrote She Will Be Loved. Yeah. Um, and then and we and we wrote Harder to Breathe after I was there. And then This Love was one of the last ones as God, well. I mean, just listen to yeah. those hits. I mean, each one, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. I remember uh, I uh, we threw a party at my friend uh, Travis's house senior year of high school. And, uh, we, you know, it. we had, we were drinking O'Doul's um, in the hot tub. <laughs> nice. And... Nice. We were, I was doing some fire tricks that I like to do with like I put lighter fluid on my mouth and blow into the tiki torch. And lighter fluid in your so mouth. So we were doing like a couple of like Classic. party tricks. There's about 30, 32 people there. I was pretty vibing. And <laughs> on loop, songs about Jane. I mean, we were just bumping it. We couldn't couldn't nice. get enough, dude. We were just like, this man is so good. And we were just kind of coming out of like the, the 311, like early OAR phase. So it was like, yep. it kind of helped us like keep it going, you know, uh, a little yeah. bit of like the early Jack Johnson. That's kind of what we were into. Oh, and so this kind of fit, yeah. it kind of fit in that, you know, the albums. It did. We kind of, we kind of toured with a lot of those groups and it kind of worked with that kind of like Southern frat jam <laughs> space, like that, that, that yeah, OAR yeah, yeah. space. Like we opened up for OAR for, for a while. And that was like, that was really important. It was, yeah, you know, there, it was a thing. It was like Howie Day. You remember Howie Day? Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. 
um, that, Jack Johnson. Yeah. We Howie Day made me buy the DL4. That's what made me buy DL4. Yeah, exa- yeah exactly. Yeah. It's like the beginning of that. And then, of course, like Mayer, you know, like yeah. it was like the beginning of Mayer, but he was kind of on that Southern yes, very circuit, much. you know? Uh-huh. Because he, yeah, it was very guitar jammy based early on. He's like, yeah, and we used to be way more jammy because, like, when we were touring, when we started headlining, because we were opening for so many, so many guys, like, eventually when we started headlining, we only had that first album. So we would stretch stuff out kind of out of necessity. But, but that was kind of the vibe of people were expecting that kind of those audiences were way more into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you brought up some interesting artists that I think took similar directions as, as Maroon 5. So Mayer, you know, started out a certain way, but then drops your body as a wonderland. And then what that does is it like widened, it just explodes your audience, you know, in a way yeah. that, uh, what's the run through my house of my high school song? Rooms? No. Wait. through the halls of my high school? No, is that called No Such Thing? No Such Thing. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, in a way that No Such Thing can't uh, do, you know. Um, OAR took a similar direction. There was like a, a vibe with OAR. But then mm-hmm. they, they come out with some songs that, that widen out their audience significantly. Yeah, like, yeah. Turn the car around, you know. <laughs> How many <laughs> times in a brain of my shadow? Uh, like, I can't remember. You know that song? Oh, gosh, about? yes. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge, huge yeah. song. And a good song. It's a great song, you know. Yeah, uh, I think OER, they, they went and worked with Matt Wallace, who produced Songs About Jane after Songs About Jane, I believe. How about that? There you go. There you go. So, uh, what was the? I, I think it's interesting because you're in a you're a, you're very proficient guitar player, and, and in a band that isn't significantly guitar based music, so uh, it it is it's a lot of it's a lot of pop it's a lot of like big sounds and it is a lot of like it's I call it like global it's global music you know Maroon Five sure. is is a global band, um, similar to the route that maybe like Coldplay has taken. Uh, you know, Maroon 5 has taken that route. Um, what was, like, was that, like, the, always maybe the trajectory that you guys wanted to take? Or did it just kind of happen? Was it, like, maybe label-influenced? Or is that Adam's dream? Or was that your dream? Or how, how did all that happen? Was it accident, on purpose, strategic, opportunistic? Can what, you talk about what that? What you enjoy? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it was, it was, it was very intentional. And... And a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, ice cream voice. Um, a lot did you of that. Have ice, what'd you have? Wait, what'd you have? Did you have Jenny's? What are we talking here for kind of ice cream? I love Jenny's. I know. Oh, oh dude, Jenny's is. <sighs> yeah. Thank God I moved um, to Toluca Lake from Los Feliz where there was a Jenny's. And I would, I, I've, uh, you know, I would not, I would drive by and like have to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like it just like I would just be like pulling over and being like, "What am I doing? <laughs> like, what are we doing?" It's like my, I'm smell, not in control. Yeah. Here. Autopilot just the took smell over. Autopilot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, it, it was very intentional from the start, and, and I mean, even before I joined the band, I understood, like, like the main one of the main difficulties for me back in 2000 in 2001 in deciding to join the band was that I was leaving what was 
kind of more of a musician's band. You know, mm-hmm. Square. Mm-hmm. It, it featured it featured my leads uh, pretty prominently, like like almost like I was the second lead singer. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. every song had a guitar solo. You know, usually there was some sort of instrumental intro. And so, you know, which was cool, but the only people who would really come to our shows were other musicians. Yeah. So it was that type of band. And, and I knew when I was joining uh, what would become Maroon, I knew that it, it was a conscious decision. It was like, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be a supporting player because the, obviously Adam is the front man. He's, he's the star, but also this is very much about songwriting. This is about the songs. Mm-hmm. And so everything else takes a back seat. So there's not, you know, it's not like, oh, look at this cool guitar thing that I'm mm-hmm. doing, like unless it's in support of the song. So that was a very intentional thing. And at the same time, Adam, even back then, was very focused on, he really wanted the productions to be as slick and produced and radio ready as they could be. and mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I was reminded recently looking through some old footage that Matt Wallace, who produced that first record, was sending me. There were real battles in the studio about the sound of that first record where there were some of us on one side <clears throat> saying, hey, we have to make sure these performances are organic. These are live performances, you know, that we feature real drum sounds. Yeah. When at that time, like Adam was really already pulling for program drums and, and mm-hmm. sort of program beats yeah. because he wanted it to sound like the stuff that was on the radio. And, yeah. um, and, and the, some of us were saying like, no, we need to pull it back and make it more organic. That's what makes it special. And so it sort of ended up as this hybrid. But then over the years, we pulled more towards that, that vision of, of full-on slick electropop, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, and so, so that was... And that was, it would seem like that would come from the direction of the label or, you know, uh, somebody above us telling us, oh, this is what you need to do. But really, like even, I feel like moves like Jagger for us was a transitional moment. Uh And Uh the label didn't even want to go with moves like Jagger as a single. We Uh added that on to the third record. They, They wanted to continue to push this the single uh, never gonna leave this bed which was a much more straight ahead um i don't know like like uh, you know adult contemporary counting crows type of yeah. sound yeah because they thought oh you guys need That's to be good, you know a yeah. band and and adam was like no this is the future and uh, you know there was there was even a moment where they the label wanted us to perform never gonna leave this bed on the voice uh, for the first time that we were going to perform on there, and our manager lied to the label and said, "Oh, they don't want that song. They wanted they want moves like Jagger, which was total <laughs> total BS." <laughs> but we played moves like Jagger, and then it exploded the next day, and uh, you know, the the wow. rest is history. But a lot of people thought that that was something that came from outside us, but that was really Adam's vision yeah. from the start. Yeah, is, are, is there a difference between? the records and the Maroon 5 live show experience? Like, is there, do you just pull in more, uh, like, drum solos, guitar solos? Like, what, what's the difference between the two? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because these, you know, the studio creations are one thing, but then when you come to the show, it is a live band, you know, actually performing these songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
yeah, that means more guitar solos, more drum solos. Sometimes there's, you know, electronic elements that are on the record that we reproduce with guitars or, or stuff like that. Or we'll just take a song that's maybe super produced and strip it down and just make yeah. it an acoustic <clears throat> moment. So it's yeah. it's a different type of experience. It's a little more raw. It's, it's more more rock, more in your face. Yeah. I was... Uh... Early on in Walrus, I got, I did like, I was doing like a pedal meetup with the One Republic guys. And then really the only guy that was into it was Brent, uh, who plays uh, cello in the band. And then we got done with the pedal and he's like, so are you ready for the rock show? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, are you ready for the One Republic rock show? And I was like, I guess, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, then I go and I was and I left. I took I went with my brother and I was like, dude, that was a rock show. I mean, they like shredded, <laughs> man. I mean, it was totally different. And then I got I got in my car the next day. I think it was right after Animals had come out, and I was like, I'm putting on uh-huh. Animals. But then yeah. it, didn't, it didn't have any of the solos in it, and I was like, oh man, kind of. It was still yeah, a yeah, great yeah. record, great songs, but <laughs> but so it makes me think. And I haven't seen Maroon Five live other than like. TV appearances, but that's not fair. That's not like a good judge of what you guys yeah, are actually yeah. doing. So I asked that question and also to leave people wanting to go to maroon5.com and purchase tickets to the Vegas show, everybody. Boom. That's right. Starting July 28th. Yep. And if you Dolby Theater. Yep. And if, in Atmos. If you enter in coupon code Walrus Audio, <laughs> nothing will Jimmy happen. Jimmy B, Walrus Audio. Nothing coupon will code. happen. So, yeah, be sure to enter that in, and uh, we'll see what happens. Sh- uh, the song Sugar, w- was that around Moves Like Jagger, or was that on the next record? Sugar! Sugar was on the next record. Okay, gotcha. And that's, you know, that that's a funny story. That was meant to be... Um, that was meant to be a song for Mike Posner. Oh, oh wow. Like, uh, so yeah. that song was written by uh, this amazing producer, Ammo, yeah. uh, an amazing songwriter, Jay Cash, Jacob Kasher, and Mike Posner. And it was going on at Mike Posner's record, but then Adam heard it and was like, we have to, we have, to have this. Yeah. Which, you know, which was also something that changed. Like, our first four records, we wrote all of the songs just within the band, but after the success of Moves Like Jagger which was Adam and co-written with some other artists. He's like, okay, like what else do you have? And sort of the pop industrial complex started inundating the band with, with songs, yeah. f- you know, from every angle. Yeah. But Sugar was, it was meant to go on the Mike Posner record. And Adam convinced Mike, um, who's a great guy. And I've, I've played on some of his records and written stuff with him too. He's, um, he, I think he was convinced that that it would be good to to give up that song and you know that that's become one of our signature tracks for sure yeah is that the video kind of kind of took it home too which um w- which was pretty awesome that that actually worked out i need to go watch the video yeah. didn't mike didn't mike walk across america is he 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 like walked across he did. he's i mean he's a psycho in in a good way <laughs> yeah he walked across he walked all the way across america he got like bit by a rattlesnake he almost died yes like go to the and hospital then, then he got bed? done with that and then he yes, climbed he mount everest what he's, he's he's insane he climbed mount did, everest. Did, did he do everest 
Yeah, you did. You did Everest. Dude, I need to like look this guy back. Wow. Up. Yeah. Ride yeah, a couple he's, hits. Yeah. He's wild. walk across America, climb Everest, Dang. play some pickleball. I mean, you name I it. I haven't seen him out out of the courts in Burbank. <laughs> oh my god, it's not. It's not. That's not. Yeah, once you walk across America, you think you're going to walk down to Burbank and play pickleball with a bunch of oh come on with a man. bunch of Burbank folks? Absolutely no, I don't think so. Man. All you the people he's playing shit. pickleball with, yeah, climb members. <laughs> exactly. Man. Oh, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> do do you um, in Maroon Five? Uh, what so? What's something? that if people knew about the Maroon 5 crew, it would impact their opinion of the band positively. So I think people know you as what I call like a global band, but what's something, you know, behind the scenes that that maybe you guys are involved with, like the the lifestyle or something that if people knew they would go, I really like those guys a lot more than I did already. Oh man, I mean, that's that's a really good is it, a, is it a hard question because there's nothing? Well, because there's nothing. <laughs> because there are absolutely no redeeming qualities of, of any member of this band. We're all jerks. No, like, what you see what is you what see you is get. What you get. Uh, <laughs> well, no, because and then any answer that I get, it, you know, it sounds self-promoting. You know, it's like, I uh, get you it. know, like how can I answer that with any sort of humility? Yeah, you can also bypass it. And you don't have to answer just, it. Just, just email me and I'll read. I'll read it off. Yeah. Well, no. listen. Okay, here's how I'll answer that question. I mean, just I think, I think the fact that the band has stayed together, yeah, you know, for for over twenty years, is a testament to you know. I think uh, just to how we've been able to get along, and um, and that's that's an accomplishment in and of itself. I'm sure you guys have been in bands and you know how hard it is to keep it all together. Um, mm-hmm. And bands break up every day for a lot of different reasons. And we've faced a lot of those reasons. Yeah. And I think we've had the internal communication skills to uh, to make it through a lot of those conflicts. That's cool. So, there, that's a good answer. That is that's a, a really real good, good answer. answer. Yeah. Uh, okay. Every minute, you're so humble. Three bands break up. So, I'm just <laughs> thank you. That's all. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. Dude, you are so humble. Dude, will you just talk a little bit about how humble you are? <laughs> Dude, so humble. Man. Man. You just ruined it. What the heck, man? <laughs> he set you up and you bit. When <laughs> when when Facebook when Facebook was new. We in college, we made this somebody, my friend made this group called I Am Humble, and it had these like praying hands as the icon. And he was just inviting everybody into it. And it was just like, hey, everybody, just like drop a story in the comments about how humble you were, something humble you did today, or how humble. And it was, it was totally an ironic group for that reason. But there was a group of college kids on campus that did not get it and really threw up a big fit. Oh man. Oh, on, like, God. like thro- throwing it like, do you, do the creators of this group realize how ironic that this group is? And then we're just like watching it burn. No way. No um, idea. That's, that's something like in the early days of like Twitter and Facebook, it, it like sometimes, like I just remember realizing sometimes when I would, post something that was clearly ironic or sarcastic (laughs) that like 95% of the people who read it did not get it. 
And so I kind of just stopped any sort of level because it was right. always miscommunicated. Right. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow. Yeah. People you're like really tweeting. You're like, I'm like tweeting at my six friends, but also yeah. everybody else is reading it. And you're like, I don't get it. But except <laughs> yeah, my six friends are like, not get it. dude, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much, that's how my brain works. It's like, my six friends are going to love this post, but they're not going <laughs> to totally. see it because they're, you know, they're not on Facebook. No. Um, okay. Bookmarking back to 1999. Ooh, yeah. You met the Ball family and, um, which I'm sure was, was pretty awesome because it has now led to, uh, I think 20 years later, more than 20 years later, um, you are now making what, I personally believe is the best guitar, the best new guitar that anybody can buy on the market today, which is the James Valentine Ernie Ball Music Man guitar. I don't know actually what it's called, but I have two of them. I have the, two the Valentine. Of them. So much I love it. <laughs> it's the Valentine. The Valentine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, that's amazing. Thank you so much for he saying that. He does love let's it. Just, Listen, oh man. Let's I just take it up. that clip right now. Yeah. I'm going to put that clip yeah. right up. So Brian, <laughs> sent, Brian sent one to me just to use like in Walrus videos. In, uh, in my mind, I'm like, bro, you know, it's just like, you know, who's... Who besides it. Fender is like, and Gibson is going to make yeah. something that I'm actually like, I'll be like, oh, this is cool. You know, it's kind of nice. But I plugged it in. I plugged it into it just in my office. It's Jason's office. In AC. No, it was in my office. It was an oh, AC4 okay. in my office, which is, you know, is whatever amp. But even through the AC4, I was like, whoa, this feels so amazing. This is the one of the best necks I've ever felt. And this, the sound is just so it's, it's organic and, but it's also crystal. Like what is happening here? It was just, it's, and from then on, I mean, I haven't put it down. I think that was, what year was that? It's 2017. What, year Val- what year did the Valentine? I think it was 2016, 2017. Okay. 2016? So longer than I thought. Okay. So how yeah. did, how did this, how did that all come about? Well, yeah, I, I, since 99, I've had a relationship with the Ernie Ball guys, um, you know, because Sterling, uh, we met, he was running the, the whole competition. And I mean, that was amazing. The The finals for the competition were, they were emceed by Dweezil Zappa and Blue Saraceno. Okay. And, and some of the judges that were there uh, like there was like CC Deville and um, I think Duff McKagan was there and um, uh, just like a, a bunch of shredders. It, yeah. it, it was just an incredible experience. So so I I met the family then. Years later, I, I would run into Brian at different things. I ran into him at Coachella. Yeah. And I think like, and we were sitting in the bar at Coachella. He's like, you should do it. You should do a guitar with us. I was like, thanks, but no thanks. Basically being like, I'm cool. I play Telecasters. They're, they're fine. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, what, what else do I need? <clears throat> yeah. Cause there was like, kind of, there was a mentality, I think that kind of maybe held over from the nineties that was like new guitars aren't cool. Right, like it's it's like you play Agreed. vintage guitars, and that's that's all you need. And anything new that anybody's trying to do is lame. You know, right. it's, mm-hmm. um, 
that was that was kind of the ethos at that point. Um, but and then I ran into to him and Sterling again at the Indian Wells tennis tournament, which is different and, than Coachella, right? <laughs> different than Coachella. Okay, cool. <laughs> also in the Coachella Valley. Okay, here gotcha. we are yeah. in the <laughs> desert, where, which is where they make the Ernie Ball strings. Different which clientele. Is why, different yeah. clientele. They're they're at all the desert events. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I ran into him. And they're like, you know, you should really, you should do a, you should do a, a guitar, you know, or like come in and let's talk about it. And I was like, okay. And I, I basically went in to talk with them about it as a courtesy because, because really like the, the battle of the bands competition brought me out to LA. It got me, yeah. um, you know, to, to meet the guys that would become a room five. I really felt like I, I owed them a lot. Yeah, paying your respects. I went into the meeting. Doing the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I went into the meeting and it was right when they were starting to work with Annie Clark on the, the St. Vincent guitar. I played that one. I played some of the other ones. I was like, wait, oh, these are these are sick. Um, and then I was like, well, yeah, but like what, you know, what would I actually bring to, to a design? And they started to ask me about my favorite guitars and it, at the time, I was playing pretty exclusively Telecasters, but I was also playing 335s. I was really playing uh, Collins I-35, which mm, I still yeah, have. Yeah, I still, nice. still love all yeah, those guitars. That's great. And I said, well, you know, it's like my favorite guitars are 335s and Telecasters, but those don't have anything to do with each other. And then they're like, well, maybe they do. And they uh, started messing around like in CAD or whatever. Um, and almost right away they came up with what would become the shape of the valentine i was like whoa that's cool that's different yeah it looks classic but it's yeah. it's a new shape yeah. um and i was already in love with with the roasted maple necks having played some of those other ones so yeah. i knew that, that was going to be incorporated so i was like okay let's make a prototype and then we made that first prototype and i played it out on stage and we continued to tweak it but when i played that first one on stage i was like oh this is sick this is amazing with the the upgraded electronics there was you know like you said like a a clarity but we still based those pickups on some of my favorite pickups that were in some of my guitars and came up with this this cool combination that i thought was its own thing and thought like oh okay i can totally this is incredible i can get behind this 100 percent. yeah and that's all i've played ever since then it it's hard to put it down it really is it's a a, and i still so i still i vacillate between the valentine and then my 335 335. yeah Yeah. and then i I, my telecaster has been out of commission because the the truss rod nut is stripped but i just had a guy fix it up here in oklahoma city and he's actually bringing it by i think today so congratulations thank you so much (laughs) which is why i wanted to have you on today um amazing so well if if you're a fan of the 335 then i should tell you so the the sterling by music man uh version of the valentine which is the uh, more affordable version mm-hmm. of of the Music Man guitars. Yeah, it's, it's kind of their their diffusion line. Mm-hmm. Um, they the the people at Sterling uh, have have made the chambered version of the Valentine that's oh. going to be coming out this fall, and it's awesome. 
That's, that's cool. That was one of the things that I, I had always imagined the chambered version. And it's funny that, that Sterling's doing it before Music Man, but what they came up with is, is incredible. And so that's going to be out, I think, this summer or fall. Oh my gosh! Dang, that's amazing. And so we'll have to send you one of those because you have been yes, a you loyal will. Valentine to... user. <laughs> I would love and to. You just... will, you'll like you'll like this one if, if you if you dig three thirty five. Oh no, I, that's a this this is a great idea. You should just send me <laughs> anything you want me to have feedback on. Uh, that sounds fantastic. Uh... Um, do, are, so you're using you're using this guitar in the studio and probably in the live show uh, pretty much the majority of the time. The it's Valentine, not just a, the original. Yeah, yeah. The Valentine, not just the Valentine is is um, that's all I use live. Um, yeah. and, and it's you know it, it covers a lot of bases. Um, yeah. You know, with the humbucker in the neck, it can do all that stuff. With the bridge, it can. Yeah. kind of scream and then you can kick in the boost and and do a lot so live that's all i need in the studio i i end up using it most of the time but you know i still got my my vintage guys that still you got get some to use in the yeah. studio here and then you yeah. gotta throw them in there for some different textures every once in a while yeah it's like uh i, I think of my guitars as like dogs or cars you know so if you're dog yeah. if you're thinking about dogs it's like well three the 335 is like the German Shepherd. It's like, it's got a big, nasty bark. It's a big dog. It's hard to control. Uh, but, but like, it's, it's like, it's a German Shepherd and just gonna do its Absolutely. thing, you know? It's and, and, and the Valentine is like, just uh it's a good it's like a golden retriever it's like it's beautiful it's loyal it's submissive you know you know what it's gonna do it's very predictable yeah uh that's how i think about Man. these guitars you know and so so but i i do love I like the that. golden retriever vibe of the of the valentine because I, I if i have any problems when i'm playing it's never with the guitar you know it's always with something else you know but if you're going to pick up the 335 it's like you're going to have you're going to have like pot scratch you're going to have tuning issues yeah, you're going to have like exactly. you can fret wear and it's like oh shoot i didn't know that fret was going to go out that early you know so yeah that's that's the problem i love my vintage guitars but like just taking them out on the road is it's just too much of a headache yeah it's the same with is same with the vintage amps. I, even more so with vintage amps. I love some of the vintage amps that I have, but I like I would never be able to use them on the road. Yeah, yeah. not happening. Um, so before we let you go, thanks for being on the show today. Before we let you go, um, uh, I'd like to hear some music from you that we need to be listening to. So artists or albums that you would recommend. Uh, that oh, that you've dang. been that you've been vibing um, on. He gets out. He's getting out his Spotify to look at his recently well, liked yeah, songs because that's what I do. <laughs> Anytime I ask this, like, yeah, I'm like, what ha what has been going? On? Okay, well, here's an easy answer. I think I can talk about this. I'm going to talk about this. I don't care. That's okay. Um, we should always cut it if you need. No, to. we, should, we no, can't. It's no, live. It's this going. is live. I got early access to a couple albums. The new Blake Mills record. I, I got to hear and he ju he just released uh one one track which is i believe the song is called S the skeleton is walking skeleton is walking blake mills and it's got like a three and a half minute fretless guitar solo that will blow your fucking mind oh, I'm, so I'm into it 
I mean, um, it's it's insane. I mean, it'll, yeah, it's it's amazing, and the whole record is incredible. Um, the re- I, I think the record comes out like this month or next month. Um, that's incredible, and I've also got to hear the the new Corey Wong record that's coming out, mm. um, which is really cool. And yeah. you know, it's just like to hear what he's done with like that, you know, the, the sort of like funk guitar, you know, a lot of which is kind of like featured prominently in the Maroon 5 sound uh-huh. to see like what 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 he's done with that and like Mark Leteri and like these guys who like have taken that whole art, that sort of Nile Rodgers, Paul Jackson Jr. school, they've just like taken it to a whole nother level well, with it's, the it's kind of not, stuff they can do with that. It's not like music anymore. It's a brand now. Now it's a. It's just like the Corey Wong brand. And then there's like Now that's orbits. described as the Corey Wong sound. Yeah. yeah. It orbits around, you know, whatever he's doing next. It's, it's pretty incredible. significant. I love it. And yeah, I love that your cr- music recommendations were things that we currently can't listen to. So we'll just have to wait <laughs> until those come out, I guess. And it'll be great. Uh, well, yeah. When does this come out? We can Is listen this... to the Blake Mills song. I don't know. Which, well, I guess yeah. we can. You can yeah. listen yeah. to the, yeah, yeah go yeah. listen to the Blake, yeah. you know, and you can pre-save the records and, and do that. Because I think that's, that's, well. that's helpful. Yeah. That's so great. Okay. Yeah. And last question. Uh, what's the best Christmas movie? Slash your favorite. The the best Christmas movie. Okay, hold on. Let me let me think about this. Yeah, there's only a few right uh, answers. So, okay, the best. Okay, like when you say best, I mean it's like what what hits me with the most. That's it. It nostalgia. really. It's important to yeah. It's what's the best. It could be two questions. What's the best Christmas movie? And then what's your favorite Christmas movie? Because sometimes when you know something's the best, but it's not your favorite. That's where wisdom, that's the, that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom, is it not? I, I, I concur. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, listen, it's a basic answer, but like just for the nostalgia buttons that it hits, it's like it's like Home Alone or A Christmas Story. It's great. Those mm-hmm. are both good. But but like, you know, Die Hard also yeah. is a Christmas movie. I love it. <laughs> I think that's great. Is a and Christmas I love it. Movie. You know, not to not to open up that can of worms, but <laughs> that's an amazing we, movie that also hits those nostalgia. Yeah, we. Buttons. I think we, people have argued about it for decades, and we what, don't. We don't even need to your, go there. What are your answers? Oh, uh, I think Man. I think it, I have lots of favorites. Uh, I think my favorite is probably The Family Stone. Remember that movie? The Family Stone? The Family Stone. I've, I've never seen it either. Are you serious? Every time you bring it up, uh, I'm going to watch it. Luke someday. Wilson, Rachel McAdams, Diane Keaton, the guy that played Zeke on, I forget his name. Oh, yeah. Parenthood. Yeah, no, it's great. Philip's favorite Christmas movie. Which favorite Christmas movie? It's lame. It's Elf. I love Elf. It's just so good. But also... Home Alone Elf is great. Home, Home Alone, Alone is just like I watched it so much growing up, and it's that's what I'm saying. Such good memories, but I think Elf is the best. Yeah, Elf is amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, those are good choices. Uh, all right, everybody, this is James Valentine. If you <coughs> want to see Maroon Five right now, 
you can't. But in the future, you can buy tickets to their Las Vegas uh, residency, and then you can catch them out on tour, and you can uh, also catch them on TV. They're on TV like once every six months because they're a global band, and they're amazing. <laughs> uh, so go out, check them out, um, and also uh, buy all the Valentine guitars because they're amazing if they you're are. a guitar player. Yeah. And if you're not a guitar player, buy one anyway, and then you'll get a guitar. It'll be great. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks for being sure. on today, man. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thanks you, for having me, guys. You're the best. All right. Peace. Bye. See you.